0: hey church this is pastor wes with boulevard church dang it I don't, church in church just doesn't work i miss you guys i'm grateful that you guys are here that you guys would tune in and give me an hour to six hours of your sunday i really appreciate that i hope uh, to find you guys sitting in small groups right now i hope to find you guys uh sitting together in a group uh watching this together saying amen together taking notes together shut me down together can i get a shot from everyone in the comments below, just say, ah, just just ah, a a h h h h h, exclamation, 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 ah, good. I'm glad to see you guys here. I'm glad you guys are eyeing. I'm glad God is good and that God is moving in your lives. That you could even sit down and listen with us today, um, ain't it? awesome how good God is. Uh, I do want to say in the name of how awesome God is, um, we're going to announce it later today, but I got permission to talk about it earlier. And you know, it's funny, like being the lead pastor, I still got to get permission to do stuff, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, so August 2nd, open up your calendars. That's a Sunday, August 2nd. As long as we don't go back to phase one and the government does not force us uh, to backpedal a little bit, um, we will be opening the building back up and attend, uh, sorry, beginning regularly attended services starting August 2nd. I am excited. I hope you guys are shouting just put amen, hallelujah, God is good down in the comments below. Come on, we need more comments anyway. I was going to like create a culture of commenting in this house like talking back to me. I'd really appreciate it appreciate it um but A few things with that. Um, One, we're going to be absolutely keeping the church spotless and clean. We're spending a lot more money on cleaning supplies just so we can extra clean. Uh, And then something that might be upsetting to some of you, uh, but I pray it's not, uh, unless Sisolak changes his mandate, uh, masks will be mandatory for those of you attending service with us. Um, If that's something you would not like to do, we will be staying online. Absolutely. And you can watch us online until you're comfortable coming back in. But I'm excited to see you. Um, I know we're not supposed to be, but I'm excited to hug some of you guys and some of you who don't want to be hugged i'm excited to do like a high five where you like stop in front of each other's hands like a force high five i'm excited to do those whatever camp you're in i'm excited to do it and just see you guys with my own eyes um and not through a computer screen um but i'm sure all of you look handsome and beautiful today. i'm sure you all dressed up and no one's in their pajamas right now i'm certainly not wearing shorts underneath this table right now Anyway, uh, we're going to dive on into our message, though. I hope you guys are excited. I hope you guys uh, are ready for today because uh, we're going to talk about a topic that people don't like to talk about. But first, quick recap, uh, we are calling 2020 the year of vision, right? It's Christianese. It's cheesy. 2020 vision, I ain't got that. That's why I wear glasses. And so we all got to put on our Bible glasses so that we can see 2020 vision for the year and hopefully just have 2020 clear-cut vision for what we believe this truth. will look like in 5, 10, 15, and even 20 years from now. We want to have big dreams and big ideas and big visions, and so with that in mind, uh, we decided to spend this entire year talking, talking on the three pillars of our church. What are the three things that Boulevard Church is built on? And you guys who have been here, you know that I would always say, I don't even think this church should be built on these things. I think all of our lives, our families, our responsibilities, and our church should be built on these three things. Uh, So what's the first thing? Well, the first thing, thank you for asking. Amelia, what's the first thing? Heart for the house. Heart for the house, right? We've been talking about, but it is, right? Uh, We've been talking about uh, the first pillar of our church is, don't even edit that out. I demand that it stays, Amelia. Um, (laughs) She was in La La Land, so I brought her along. (laughs) I appreciate it. Uh, Our first pillar for Boulevard Church is your personal relationship with God. And so we started a series. We spent about three, four months on it, and we called it Heart for the... No, we didn't. We called it First Love, right? We called it First Love. Um, Amelia messed me up. That's her fault, not mine. Um, But God is still good, and he's still moving. We're still opening August 2nd in Jesus' name. Um, Wouldn't it be crazy if we're filming Thursday, if, like, between Thursday and Sunday something happened and we aren't opening on August 2nd? That'd be awesome. But we're opening August 2nd, guys, in the name of Jesus. Y'all be praying for it and fasting for it and let God moving. Uh, but our second pillar, which is the pillar that we're currently speaking on, is your personal relationship with your community of believers, right? So we think that first and foremost, your relationship with God is the most important thing. But next afterwards is a favor for the brethren, which the Bible does talk about. And so we've been calling that series Heart for the House. And lastly, what's coming in a couple months from now, um, August, September. I think in September we're starting a series, and we're calling it On Your." street and in your city. The last pillar of our church is evangelism. This church doesn't just exist to bring you closer to God. This church doesn't just exist to connect you with the group of believers. It also exists for you to go out and help those in need and connect them to God and connect them with the community of believers so that they can go out and help those in need. It's like a cycle. It's beautiful, uh, but today we're in heart for the house, and uh, so what's a way that we can show that we have a heart for the house? What kind of house are we going to be? I've been trying to preach um, vision on what kind of church on Boulevard to be during this time, and uh, here's another thing I want us to be ready. You can just write this down. Uh, Boulevard Church will be a generous Church. So today we're going to talk about giving. We're going to talk about tithes and offering. We're going to talk about alms. We're going to talk about giving to others. We're to be talking about self-sacrifice. We're going to be talking about putting others first and seeking the kingdom of God first and foremost by putting our possessions uh, to those in need. It's an uncomfortable topic. I believe it's a topic that a lot of people don't like to talk about. Uh, but we are calling today's message the privilege of giving. The privilege of giving. And the reason why is Obviously, uh, we believe here in Boulevard Church that it is our privilege to give. Giving is not something that I have to do, it's not something I'm coerced to do, it is I am a part of such a beautiful kingdom and I am saved by such a glorious grace that by a God who gave the best he had and so in exchange I'm gonna give the best of my time, the best of my finances, the best of my responsibilities, the best of my life. I'm going to give those things to God in the form of submitting, in the form of my church so that we can all lift up a vision and a calling together and carry it out into the city so that Jesus Christ can be glorified in Las Vegas first and then hopefully to the ends of it after that but let's not get ahead of ourselves henderson las vegas here we come can i get an amen I mean, can like you say amen? I just I need this. Amen. amen. Uh, so I want to start off with a quote, and then we're going to dive into the Bible. Um, and know this, uh, we're going to be reading Luke chapter 12, verse 13 to 34, but I will not quote any other scripture at all today. So we will just be in this section of Luke. So if you got your Bibles, flick to Luke chapter 12, and we will not leave there at all today. I'll be reading out of the ESV. You can read out of whatever you'd like, but... The ESV is the correct one to read out of. I'm just kidding. Um, So a quote is this. Ready? It says, Generosity is our privilege. Uh, the reason why uh, I named the sermon the privilege of giving is because of this quote that says generosity is our privilege. It's like I didn't even try to hide that I stole it. Uh, I actually found this on the front web page of Voo Church. Voo is a church in Florida ran by a pastor named Pastor Rich Wilkerson, Rich Wilkerson Jr. It's like a tongue twister to say this guy's name. Um, he's handsome. He's a good looking dude. He looks kind of like Leonardo, Leo DiCaprio. Uh, is that his name? Holy fuck, Leonardo DiCaprio, right? Jack from Titanic, or the one guy who got attacked by a bear in that movie about the guy who got attacked by a bear. Um, or the racist plantation owner in Django, like whatever you, whoever your uh, Gilbert Grape, I think, right? Is he Gilbert Grape? What's eating Gilbert Grape? I think that's Leo. Um, he's in great movies, right? They just, I'm sorry, this is not even important. I just thought we should talk about it for a second. Um, But on the front of their page, they have like seven vision statements. They say the seven things uh, are missions in in this church. And one of their thing, I think it's thing three or four, it says generosity is our privilege. And I read that a long time ago, but man, it has stuck with me. I can't stop thinking about it. Um, It has affected my giving um, for a long time now. Uh, Since before I've been a leader in Boulevard Church, uh, this has affected my giving and my perspective because really if God gave his son for me then being generous in exchange it's again it's something I said earlier but this is how it impacted me when I read that word privilege it stood out to me um, then st- when I'm when I'm giving to God it's not a sacrifice it's an honor and a privilege that when I tithe or when I give money to someone on the street who's in need or I buy someone a meal or I buy someone groceries or I help pay someone's rent or heck I have eight jackets and someone has zero so I give them my jacket or I give them the shoes off of my feet these things that we have done and I've seen done in our church before um it isn't a sacrifice it's an honor and it's a Privilege. Um, so I want to read a Bible verse that really is going to exemplify this. We're going to be in Luke chapter 12, verses 13 to 34. It's a bit of a long read, but it's very important. And it goes a little something like this. Someone in the crowd came to him. Who is him? Put your guesses in the comments below. <laughs> because we need more people to comment. It's Jesus, right? So y'all can put Jesus and pretend like you knew before I said it, but you might not have known. You could have thought it was Paul. Um, but Paul's not in Luke. So... It would have been nuts if you thought it was paul like if you thought it was paul i need you to read your bibles more just no no condemnation because i don't know who you are but read your bible more because paul doesn't show up till acts and like not even like in the beginning he's like later in the book of acts anyway uh, so someone in the crowd came to him and him is jesus a teacher tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me this is a big deal so obviously their father died And they're fighting now over their inheritance. They're fighting over who gets dad's money and who gets how much of dad's money. Uh, But he said to him, man, who made me judge or arbiter over you? And he said to them take care and be on your guard against all covetousness for one's life does not consist in abundance of his possessions and he told them a parable saying the lord of a rich the land of a rich man produced plentifully my eyes like lost it. And he thought to himself, what shall I do for I have nowhere to store my crops? And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years, relax, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, fool, which interesting is the word fool means godless. So he said, you godless one, right? Fool is like a bad word in the Bible. Like if someone calls you a fool, they're like, dude, you're going to hell. Um, This night your soul is required of you, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So, um, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. Uh, I think that's really important. I'll say that one more time. Fool, right? The word fool. And he says, so is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. It's not about your bank account. It's about your giving towards God. It's about your heart towards God and your intentions towards God and his people and those who are broken that God is calling to be his people. Um, and he said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens. They neither sow, sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn, and yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? And which of you, being anxious, can add a single hour of his span of life? If then you are not able to do a small thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory cannot be arrayed like these. So basically, all of the work Solomon put into being beautiful, into making himself rich and successful, and all of the time he put and the effort he put into building the temple and the glory he put upon himself in his own housing, none of that, God said all of that failed in comparison to the beauty of a single flower that you need them see I love that because basically God is saying like why you acting like the world like you're worried about your finances you're worried about your money you're worrying about your housing he goes no that's what everyone does those are the people who don't have God the foolish people the godless people those are their worries and he says no no but for you you don't need to worry about those things and he says you have little faith because you don't have the faith to trust that I God will take care of you he is not just speaking to his disciples he is speaking to a crowd a crowd of people that he is saying put God first when you focus on god all of these fears worries and pains go away that instead of storing for yourself give to those in need because remember the whole context of this conversation is two brothers fighting over money when god is saying quit fighting over money give it away don't covet seek the kingdom first don't be like the world we're not called to be like the. we're not called to squabble over money we're not called to put our calling on the back burner because, well, I have to focus on my career right now. We're called to put God first in all of his ways, and we're called to look foolish to the world as we're wise to God. And all the greats that we look at and all the people that we want to be like, most of them had to sacrifice great amounts to get where they are. They weren't picking the best career choices oftentimes. They weren't making the greatest fiscal decisions a lot of times. It just ended up that way because they trusted God with difficult decisions. What is he saying? said, seek his kingdom and these things will be added to you. I love that. He's talking, the world cares about money, but if you seek the kingdom, I'll bring it to you, right? The world cares about what they're going to wear, but if you seek the kingdom, I'll hand those things to you, right? So God is saying, put me first. Just give, just sacrifice, just love, just follow me. I'm going to give you all these things. Don't you worry about it, but for now come with me. And I think that is a message for everyone in this church. What are we holding on to financially? What career are we holding on to? What is getting in the way of us coming closer to God because we're afraid to make a leap, because we're afraid to sacrifice, and we're afraid to have faith and put the kingdom first? That is the question I believe Jesus is asking these disciples and all of these people listening, and I think that question applies really well to us. Instead, seek his kingdom, and these things will be added to you. And I love this. Fear not, little flock. Hear me. For it is your your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. God finds pleasure in giving to you. Now, I don't think when he says the kingdom, he's talking just about finances, but I do think it's God when I get finances, it's because God gave them to me, right? He's talking about the kingdom, the fullness of who he is, that that being a part of, not of this world, but being a part of a supernatural kingdom led by God, guided not in a democracy, but in a monarchy ran by the God who is an absolute control. Um, Sell your possessions and give to the needy. Will that preach? I hope it does. Uh, Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I'm going to pray. I'm going to drink some water. We're going to talk about giving. It's going to be good. Dear Lord in heaven, I pray for every single person in the sound of my voice. God, I pray you bless them. God, I pray you keep them. Uh, God, I pray that you help us put you first, even in uncomfortable circumstances. God, prepare our hearts to hear a message that is contrary to what our ears want to hear. Father God, give us ears to hear the truth that you are speaking. God, in Jesus' name I say, amen. Um, so um, it's getting farther and farther away but still I was very recently still in high school right um, it, it hasn't been a decade yet it's been like eight years since I was in high school which is insane to think about because it feels like it was just yesterday um, so it hasn't been that long so recently I was in high school <laughs> alright guys um, and uh, something that I've noticed in school and maybe you guys have noticed it in other areas but for me I really noticed it in school Um have you ever met the scavengers, as they were called at my school? So we are at Coronado. And the scavengers are the people who come out at lunchtime, they don't have money, and they kind of go around to everyone's table and oh, do you can I have a bite of that? And, and like they just come and they, they take a bite of everyone's food. I don't know if you guys ever watched an Ed Declassified School Survival Guide, you might not have, but they had that one guy, like, what's his name? Like Muncher or Chomper or something, and he'd be like, oh, can I just have a bite of your sandwich? And you take like a huge, massive bite. Like, that's not a joke. That's real life. People be out there doing that. They'd be going to everyone's tables and like, hey man, can I just have one of your fries? And then they go to everyone's table, and they get, like a whole thing of fries, right? Because they're the worst. Uh, and, and I think we can all agree right if we're being honest that those kind of people are, are annoying they're the absolute worst um, and there was times where there were certain kids that would come to the table and I would just drench it in like hot sauce or something and I would give it to them just so I could watch their mouths burn right just because like they, they were scavengers right and I think we can all agree that they're the worst I think we can agree although some of you listening right now might have been like I I was the scavenger. Yeah. Yeah. I went to every table. Um, I want to tell you something, something to really convict your heart. Um, so was I I absolutely never had any money and I absolutely was a scavenger and I was called a scavenger a ton of times Um, well (laughs) and so uh, it's funny that I'm about to make fun of these people but keep in mind I was one of these people and God really did a lot with me I don't I don't do that kind of stuff anymore but seriously me and a couple friends uh, Pastor Thomas may or may not have been one of them and a friend of ours named Shaggy we never really had money and so we sat at a table and there were like a few girls at the table we'd always eat their food and then we'd always go and just eat it was so funny because like when we had like this weird mentality of like when one person got something it was like everybody's right and it's funny cuz the people who didn't have money they thought that right oh dude, this is everybody's but the people who did have money are like no this is mine because I bought it and I paid for it um You know what I'm saying? Y'all know what I'm talking about. If you know what I'm talking about, put in the comments below. I know what you're talking about, Pastor Wes. No, this isn't a long story. I just want you to think about it, right? That there are people out there on the streets. They're out there in schools. They're out there at McDonald's. They're out there, freaking in cafeterias, and they're just eating people's food, and it's, it's the worst. Uh, I've heard a funny story about Bill Murray. Um, I don't know if you know who Bill Murray is, but if you don't, it's okay. He's an actor. He's a famous actor. And there's a story that someone told that a regular person was at a Wendy's eating their food. And they said, Bill Murray, a famous actor, walked up, took a fry off their tray and ate it and looked at them and said, no one's ever going to believe you. And then left. And like, that is the most brilliant use of star power I have ever seen in my life. Because who's going to believe that? Dude, you'll never believe. Bill Murray showed up and ate my food and left. And it's like, you're a liar, right? But he probably did because that's hilarious. Um, But he ate one fry. Us scavengers were out there eating all the fries we could eat, right? And so what we were doing, really, which is great, is there were people that were giving and we were taking. And I noticed the scavengers never gave. And we finally got some money. I would buy something for myself and not tell my friends. And I would like sneakily go eat it to the side, right? Uh, Because I wanted people to share with me but I didn't want to share. <laughs> and uh, what I think is so funny is that um, we go to the Bible, we look in the Bible, we look in scripture, and the Bible's like super clear that we're we're blessed to be a blessing. God gives so we can give back. And so the people who give and give and give, you're so in the will of God. But there are some of us who take and take and take, right? We come into church, we complain because the music's too loud. We come into church and uh, the theology is not just that right. And But we're not giving. We're not being generous. We're not Discipling people we're not loving on people. We're just taking and I do want to say that when we first find Jesus There is a point in time where we're called to be like that, but eventually we have to grow out of it Um, Eventually, we have to move forward and move onward and eventually we have to be the people being taken advantage of Uh, Something that I remember really really well that I love is if you go in the book of first Thessalonians which I'm just gonna reference this um they had a situation where the poor Christians were refusing to get jobs and the rich Christians were giving to them. And Paul came in and he rebuked them all. Um, But what I found so interesting is if you look in that book, he rebukes the poor christians for taking money from the rich ones and not going out and getting jobs but he never rebuked the rich christians for giving right and so i think we have this kind of mentality of like oh i only give if the person's going to use the money well i only give if they're like here are the circumstances in which i'll give but even when people were being mistreated in the bible by their giving paul never told them stop giving he always said no you keep giving but i'll deal with these people taking advantage of you he dealt with that right so the heart of the giver is never in question um and as we're talking about I want you to know that um, this topic is not a easy one to talk about. I think it's it's one that we've heard a thousand times and it can start to go in one ear and out the other. So I want to set the groundwork a little bit. But after I set the groundwork, I have three points on generosity. right? And these generous points, I want to say, I think there are blessings in scripture for those who are generous that we don't talk about enough. And so I'm going to talk on three blessings that the givers receive. Not the ones who throw tithe in the bucket as it comes by, but like the woman with the two coins where Jesus said she didn't give out of abundance she gave out of need. And the more money you have, the more money it takes to give out of need. I know that's like a crazy thing to talk about, but really when we're talking about giving, God deals more with the percentage and the heart behind it than he does with the amount being given. Um, And so I asked, like, I asked myself this question, what is life about? And and I realized as I'm reading this, that God seems to equate that a big question that life is about is giving and being rich towards God. So I want to reread Luke chapter 12, 13 to 21. And then I'm going to hit up maybe some things in that really quick before we dive into the three blessings. You good for that? Say I'm ready for the three blessings, but I'm excited for the setup. I'm just kidding <laughs> just just put exclamation points in the comments below go 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 um luke 12 13 to 21 says someone in the crowd said to him teacher tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me but he said to him man who made me a judge or an arbiter or ar- ar- arbitrator arbitrator I think I said arboretum the first time. I think that was right. Um, Over you. And he said to them, take care and be on guard against all covetousness for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And he told them a parable saying, the land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he, and he thought to himself, what shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. I want to pause really quick and read this again. Um, And I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for you for many years. Relax, eat, and drink merry. And I think right there, that's the American dream. And I think most Christians would look at this man and say, see, he's just walking in wisdom. But what does God say? But God said to him, fool. Um, I think we have to stop defining blessing. As Americans and we need to find blessing by God standard and giving not based off of as Americans what our definition of giving but giving based off the definition of Jesus right I think so often we get wrapped up in the ideology that we grew up in about what success looks like that when we come to the kingdom it's so upside down it is so contrary to everything in us that we really have to lay before God and say God change my heart because in the area of giving my heart is nothing like you've called it to be and so I think some of us should probably pray about giving a big donation. Um, Now, I've never preached this kind of sermon, and I've never really said, hey, give extra, right? Our church is well. God has blessed us a lot, and I love the generosity in this house um, as a whole, Uh, but I know a lot of us In fear, we hold back. And I believe that God wants to break that fear off of you. I know that a lot of us, um, in in fear, we become self-focused or or focused on the future more than focused on what the call God has for us. And we're not willing to make sacrifices because we would call it foolish, but not making those sacrifices God would call foolish. Uh, But to say, fool, this night your soul is required of you, and the things you have prepared, um, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself ready and is not rich towards God what does it mean to be rich towards God I think we've heard this before and I think we know tithing to your church is being rich towards God offering to your church which is giving more than 10% that is being rich towards God Um, giving to those in need on the street that is being rich towards God. I mean, what did Jesus say? He said, be gone for me. I never knew you. For when I was hungry, you didn't feed me. When I was thirsty, you didn't give me a drink. When I was cold, you didn't give me something to cover myself with. Literally, Jesus equates that kind of giving to being God-minded, uh, to being kingdom-minded and being focused on being rich towards God. He says, um, not being owned by things, right? We say this a lot like, it's okay to have things as long as things don't have you. There is nothing in my life that if I lose it, um, I'll feel distant towards God. Not my house, not my TV, maybe my PlayStation 4, but God's working that out of me. Um, Not my phone, um, not even this core water bottle. Like there is nothing that God, that god could take that i really believe would draw me away from him and i'm believing that in faith because i think many times god has tested me in this area um because i i never want to be the person that things own me um but being rich towards god is also um giving away extra things like i've said it before jesus said if you have two coats and your brother has none give it away right so think about how many coats you have and how many coats some of the people around you have? I mean, heck, let's go a little bigger. Think about how many cars you have, and there's a, there are people in the church who can't afford a car, and their car's breaking down, like. I think biblically we know what we should do but I think we don't want to make those big jumps and those big steps and again right coming up the gate this can be like like pastor West you like shooting hardball after hardball I promise my last three points are literally blessings it's gonna be really exciting but off the gate we have to talk a little bit about why we don't give and it can feel very invasive uh, so don't leave me stay with me let's talk about it right let's that's what the small groups are for afterwards you can talk like pastor West sucks he's the worst I can't believe he wanted me to give but at least hear me out um because it's not just about those things um but it's also whoa i swoped away from everything that i had on my notebook um it's also giving kindness and giving your time freely here's the thing i know some people that give a lot of money but won't serve you're not generous you're partially generous right? And I'm not going to say you're not generous at all, right? Like, that's an exaggeration, but you know what I'm saying? Like, it's not the fullness of the generosity that God's called us to be. And I know people who won't tithe, but they'll say that their time is their tithe. That's not even kind of biblical, right? It needs both. People, we are called to give our time to the people in need, and we're called to give our finances to people in need, and we're told to give of our things to people in need. Like, this is just in the Bible, and the people who store up for themselves, and the people who save and save, and because they got to get comfortable. Again, we just read the verse. Jesus was very clear. What does he say? He says, fool. And what I think is really interesting is if we look at this story, something we don't talk about enough is the father and the two children. Um, I think they get overlooked because Jesus tells this crazy parable. And whenever people are talking about money and giving and and God providing for you, they jump to this section a lot uh, because of the the sparrows and and all that stuff. But um, the fruit of the father's life, think about this father right now. This father is dead. He is gone, he's completely gone. He's passed on this life and what is his fruit? His fruit is his children are fighting over money. They're not honoring his death. They're not even mourning their father. They're fighting over money like let that sink in how the way we carry ourselves will affect our children clearly this man was bound by money and clearly he set a precedent of being bound by money because when he died his children fought and they cried not for their father but they cried for his stuff how do you as a father and how do us as leaders and how do us as christians how do we have to carry ourselves for people to look at the church and say see the church is just stingy and to see the church is just they're Full of themselves, like how come all these people are giving, but the church isn't giving? There was a point in history when the church was considered the most generous thing in the world, but now churches—they're holding up and and they're doing building campaigns, and their pastors have mansions and private jets. And if God is doing a ministry through those things, I'm all about it. Um, but hear me, hear my heart. Um, if I made a million dollars, if I made several million dollars, you'll never hear Pastor Wes moved into a mansion. Just because the Bible has totally convicted me that all that extra money should be for people in need and not for my own things. I would pay off some bills, I'd probably buy a car that's not breaking down constantly, Um, but that's how much money does it take to buy a mansion? And where could that have gone? How much money does it take to buy a private jet, right? When you could just fly coach. Um, How much money does it take to do some of these things? and again, this way that the church has carried themselves has produced a situation where people are saying, man, the church is corrupt. I was just having a conversation with a friend of mine who's an atheist, and they were livid, absolutely livid, because the government did a lot of kickbacks during this time, and a lot of these big mega churches, a lot of our tax dollars went to helping them stay open. Now me as a Christian, I'm happy about that, but my friend goes, but look at these churches. They're not giving. They're not pouring out to those in need. A lot of them really aren't. Why are they getting my money and I was like ooh that's actually a really good point because this person from outside he doesn't see the church giving and so he's mad the church is getting money but if the church was really helping those in need he wouldn't be upset at all how are we carrying ourselves how are we producing ourselves very similar to this father what's our fruit well our fruit seems to be at least here in America that people see a church as a scam to get money And it can't be that way. We have to be better. We have to do better. We have to be more loving and more giving with the beautiful things that God has given us. I've said this before in a tithe message. God has a plan for every single dollar in your bank account. Some of it is for you to enjoy yourself a little bit. Some of it is for someone in need. Some of it is for food. Some of it is for your rent. Some of it is to bless children, and some of it is to buy backpacks for children this school year. Some of it is to go out and and start something or do something. But God has a plan, and it's time that we be prayerful about it. But let's look at this again. The fruit of the father's life is children fighting over his money. Jesus looks at that and he tells a parable about a man who saves up his money and he says you fool where is your stuff going he says this to children who are fighting over a dad who stored things up and it's uncertain where the money is going to go because the children are fighting over it this is a personal thing ready this is Pastor West the Bible doesn't say this but I really believe that this parable was about their father he was saying to them look look at this your children you don't even know where the money is going because they're fighting over it because you saved up. You didn't show them a generous, loving, convicted father. You showed them a father who hoards and keeps. And so now they're fighting over your stuff so they can hoard it and they can keep it as well. And what does he say? He calls that being covetousness. These sons are losing their relationship, right? They are trying to go to court. They're trying to get a mediator. They're trying to get people involved with their money situation, What's happening? Not one of them is willing to humble themselves and just say, take it. Right? Why would they? Their father never showed them the way. And so Jesus teaches them a parable. And I'm believing and I'm hoping that this young man heard this parable and walked away more generous. And see, what I think is so interesting is these, br- these siblings are fighting over their money. Think about it, their money. This father stored a house of his money. It was his money. And what does Jesus say? He said, that's covetousness. Uh, Something that I think is so interesting is when we think of covetousness, what do we think? Oh, I'm coveting this, right? Typically, when we think of the word coveting or covetousness, uh, we think of you want something that is someone else's, right? But Jesus described covetousness as you're saving too much for yourself. He called their desire to have their things covetousness he called ready let's make this modern American does that mean then that if I have a huge bank account loaded with money that I refuse to give to people in need am I coveting my finances this is something we all have to take to God it'll never be my place to tell you what to do with your money but it is my place to point you to the Bible and say maybe we should save less and trust God more um, you guys ever seen dragons ever heard of dragons I hope you haven't seen a dragon. That'd be terrifying because they're supposed to be gone. And some people say they never existed. Some people say they probably did exist. I don't have an opinion. I don't really care. I just think they're cool. I like to read fantasy books. And I love when dragons show up and just breathe fire and everything. It's the coolest. Um, The most recent one, I talked about this last week, so I'm bringing it back up. The Game of Thrones had dragons in it. uh, But Lord of the Rings has dragons. There's a movie called Reign of Fire. just about dragons just killing people. And it was just phenomenal. Christian Bale was in it. And Gerard Butler and Matthew McConaughey. Right? Like, this is back before they were big names, though. So it was like... Go back and watch it and just be like, why are they in this movie? It's kind of terrible. Um, um, But what's interesting is what most people don't know is when we see modern dragons and stuff, they're typically like, they're kind of magical. But typically what a dragon is is just an animal with animal instincts that breathe fire and stuff. Uh, But actually in classic literature, uh, typically, and this is something you might not care about, but I promise I'm gonna make it relevant to the sermon. Uh, Typically in classic literature, uh, dragons were around before humans. Dragons are smart, dragons speak, Um, dragons are clever, they're powerful. Like like, uh, if you read uh, Beowulf, that dragon had a language. And if you read Grendel, which is about Beowulf's story, Grendel and the dragon actually have a conversation and the dragon speaks philosophy. Um, there is a book called Legend of Earthsea, um, which Studio Ghibli um, actually did a movie about it. And dragons speak the original language, as in language adapted from dragons. Like So classic literature, dragons are uber-powerful, uber-magical. They're primordial a lot of times, meaning they've been around since the beginning of time. They're typically seen as actually pictures of wisdom. But here's what makes dragons so interesting, is also they're seen as pictures of greed. The classic picture of a dragon is greedy. That's the point. Dragons are a metaphor for don't be greedy. Why? Because they're powerful, they're strong, they're smarter. They should be ruling the world, but what do they do? They hoard up a bunch of stuff in a cave and they guard it, right? And that's why all these stories are about knights coming in and they kill the dragon so they can have all the riches. It's just a classic story. It's because classic, classically dragons are pictures of greed. Have, have you guys seen The Hobbit? Have you seen The Hobbit, Amelia? Just okay. shout, yes. I've read it. You, she's read it, oh, she's so much better than all of us. Uh, I watched the trilogy, right? It was not very good compared to the original trilogy, but Peter Jackson did the trilogy. Uh, Bilbo Baggins was done really well. The rest of it wasn't done super well in my opinion, uh, but I did enjoy *Smog*. Uh, and so if you've seen it, *Smog* is guarding this treasure trove and they're trying to sneak in and when smog finally gets mad and comes out he's killing everything because he's so much more powerful than all of these people actually the interesting thing is the only reason they're able to kill him is because one of his scales rubbed off and the scale rubbed off on all of his riches right so the point was that tolkien who was an advent christian what he was teaching us through smog this dragon was what killed the dragon was greed What killed the dragon was he hoarded his power and his strength away, and so it eventually wore him down to the point where he was susceptible to the attacks of the enemy that was what Tolkien was teaching. That's so Christian. Because think about this, and let's really talk about this for a second. Dragons are powerful. They are sitting on great riches. They could be ruling the world, but instead they're more focused on their own things and not focused on going out and spreading themselves and actually ruling and reigning, right? I believe, hear me, I believe this is the perfect picture of modern American Christians. Here's why you don't understand the power that's in you. The Bible teaches us that the fullness of heaven is within you. Um, The fullness of heaven, God is with you wherever you go. You are blessed and highly favored. The gates of hell cannot prevail against you. You are the head and not the tail. Like think about all these verses that get spoken over us, and we what do we do with it? We don't go out and take the world. We go and we work a job and we start a business. And oh, I I can't get to church this weekend because I really got to focus on this career thing here. And oh, I can't get to church this weekend because I'm starting a business and I can't right and it becomes what we're piling all this stuff and we're sitting on it just like the dragons and if Christians began to rise up and come out of their caves and leave this stuff behind what hap- what would happen is the world would shake it would shatter because God will be with that and he will support it and the devil and all of the gates of hell could not stop the movement of Christianity I believe if the American Western Church set our greed and our desire for things to the and put God first. Can I get an amen on that? Amen. Thank you, Amelia. Um, just know that when I'm talking to them and asking them to say something, you're going to be like, you're going to be them for me because uh, I need that. Um, and here's something I wrote in quotes. I put, um, most of us know we should do these things. We just don't want to. Um i don't know many christians that would say no we're not called to give even the ones that don't believe in tithes still say yeah i don't think tithes are on but i still think christians should be giving more than 10 percent." and i'm like well okay whatever like you know most of us know that god has called us to give most of us know that god has called us to be generous we just don't want to be And I want to say, Charles Stanley has this phenomenal quote, and I've been reading a a Bible devotional from him, and I took this straight from the devotional. Charles Stanley, he's Andy Stanley's father. Some of you might know Andy Stanley, but not Charles Stanley. Um, But Charles Stanley said this, if you're being asked to move against the tide of conventional human wisdom and act in contradiction to your fleshly nature, you're going to feel as if you're taking a great risk in obeying God's message to you. Right, and I think we can agree on that. Like even this talk, like what am I saying? I'm saying, yo, we need to give more. We need to sacrifice more. We need to put a lot of our desires in the back burner and put God first. And again, this is contrary to everything in us, everything we've ever been taught, talk- taught, especially in the West, especially in capitalism. And I ain't knocking capitalism. I'm a fan of capitalism. I really am. And some of you aren't. That's fine. I, I like it, um, but the bible is not very pro-capitalism in a lot of ways it is very pro no we sacrifice and we trust that god's gonna move not we go out and we make our millions right they're very two different things and i hear people say oh but kings versus priests and that's a cool analogy but nowhere in the bible is a king as someone who goes out and makes a a ton of money like it's just not a thing this is just like some of our christiany stuff right we're called to be sacrificial and some of you are called to big businesses don't hear me wrong some of you are called to do these crazy big things but make sure you're calling isn't putting back on the back burner and you're doing it because you're following god not you're doing it because you want a lot of stuff right um but he says um anytime you take a risk for god's purposes you are going to need courage and the lord tells us that if we'll have courage he'll strengthen our hearts his voice leads us not into timid discipleship but into bold witness ready and what i love about that is what god says is Don't lay up treasure for yourself, ready in verse 21, but be rich. Towards God, as we take these moves, we are not, we won't be timid. As we begin to take steps in being more giving, as we, as we're walking down the road with eyes, as we're walking into grocery stores with eyes to who can I help today? You'll see God move in ways you did not think were possible. I promise you that. And so, with that being said, I want to talk to you about three blessings that we read about that you might have missed because these sections of Scripture we read them a lot, and I don't think we we discuss the the blessings found in there so three blessings i'll try to be quick what, what are we on on time 42 minutes. holy cow i haven't even gotten to the blessing it's been, i've just been like punching people for 45 minutes i'm sorry guys uh, but three blessings i'll try to make it quick famous last words um ready um generosity kills my anxiety you guys write that down actually if you want to put these three underneath um ready generosity Kills my anxiety. Ready? So Luke chapter 12, verse 22 to 26 says, And he said to his disciples, right after the parable, so we're still talking about these boys and their money. We're still talking about these boys and their giving and why they're not giving and why they're hoarding for themselves instead of giving away. This is still the topic when Jesus says this. Um, and he said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on for life is more than food and the body more than clothing consider the ravens they neither sow nor reap they have neither storehouse nor barn yet god feeds them of how much more value are you than birds and which of you being anxious can add a single hour to his span of life if then you are not able to do something as small as that why are you anxious about the rest ready what is jesus saying don't store put the kingdom first give your money what's going to happen you're going to see god providing for you for you. And so a lot of us have a fear of the future because we're not confident that God's going to move in our future. Hear me, a lot of us have a fear of the future because we're not confident that God's going to move in our future. How do I gain that confidence? When I give, and I give more than I'm comfortable with, and God shows up anyway, it builds faith in me. As this faith gets built, I give more. As I give more, God shows up in bigger ways. As he shows up in bigger ways, I gain more faith. What I do is that more faith, I give more. And as I give more, God shows up in more unique and ways and I build faith and what happens eventually anxiety dies in the cycle produced by giving right and I talk about this a lot it's something big on my heart there are good cycles and bad cycles there are bad things that lead to bad things that lead to bad things and we have a downward cycle that will just ruin our lives but there are also good cycles There are amazing cycles that go up and up and up and what do these cycles do they get us closer to God and giving is one of them as I give my faith is built my anxiety dies and what is Jesus say don't you know you're worth more than these Ravens don't you know that you're worth more than all of these creatures that I've been providing for since the beginning of time guys know your worth the reason we have a hard time giving is we don't know our worth because we don't know our worth we're afraid of the future because we still don't believe that God is going to move on our behalf and so what does Jesus say oh ye of little faith um, Judas Smith says something that my wife and I have done. I'm not saying you have to do this. I'm saying pray on this. Uh, Judah Smith has a story, and he says um, what he does, if he has $1,500 and he has a $2,000 bill. This is crazy. You're going to be like, no, Pastor West, you're insane. Uh, If he has $1,500 and he has a $2,000 bill, instead of trusting God to make the $500 for him to pay the bill, he says he gives the $1,500 and trusts God to support $2,000. This is insane. When I first heard that, I was like, dude, that's insane, right? You're asking people to give everything they saved, trusting that God's going to pay the whole thing instead. And you know what happened? My wife and I would get into situations where we couldn't pay our rent. We get into situations where we were short on groceries, and what we would do is instead of crying about it or calling out to God about it, we did call out to God about it, we would take extra money and we would give more than before. We would give more than we were going to give. We would give extra saying, God, we're going to give you money we don't have because we're going to trust that you're going to support and provide for us, that everything is going to happen according to your will. This is my testimony, and here's the thing. I never missed a bill. I never, we, we, we have great credit, because I have never missed a bill in my life, but I have always had the mentality that God is going to provide for me, and so when it seems like God's not going to provide, instead of cowering in fear, I meet that moment with faith, and I trust that God's going to do something. And there are many times that I have gone all in when wisdom would have told me to save. Um, I want you to know that as we give and as we trust God, first, one of our blessings is He kills your fear of the future, and in its place, He puts faith. Blessing number two. Ready? Generosity teaches me my worth i just talked about worth but i want to talk about worth again in luke chapter 12 verse 27 to 29 he says consider the lilies how they grow they neither toil nor spin yet i tell you even solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these but if god so clothes the grass which is alive in the field today and tomorrow will be thrown into the oven how much more will he clothe you oh you a little faith do not seek what you are to eat and what you are to drink nor be worried. What is he saying? You're worth more than these things. You're worth more than these things. Look at all of the people around you getting blessings. You're worth just as much as them. Look at the birds who never go hungry because there's always food for them. Look at the animals. Look at nature and how nature continues to thrive unless mankind interacts with it and kind of ruins things, right? Uh, But look at how nature continues to thrive. It continues to grow. It continues to move. And the Bible says that it's because God is providing for them, but you are worth more more listen to me it is time for christians to really believe i am worth more than i believe i'm worth and i want to tell you something when god provides for you what does that tell you it tells you you're worth because the god of heaven and earth who is outside of the universe who is outside of time and who is outside of space looks through the stars across the planets across all these great distances looks onto earth looks to you and he blesses you why in the midst of all of that should he worry about you because you're worth it and generosity teaches me my worth because when god shows up for me it shows me that i was worth showing up for because generosity teaches me my worth look at the world around you look at all of these wicked people who don't know jesus being blessed how much more does god want to bless you the bible actually says that. that's like an actual bible verse i just don't know what off the top of my head like where it's at oswald j oswald sanders two weeks ago i read this quote but i want to read it to you guys again a man will work harder to recover diamonds than gravel. Why? Because they are of much greater value. That makes sense, right? I'm always gonna, if they, hey, do you want this bag of dirt or do you want a bag of diamonds? Like, oh. Bag of dirt, please. Like, right, that's ridiculous. Like, bag of diamonds. But a man will always work harder for diamonds than gravel because a diamond is worth more than gravel. And it says, And so with the souls of men, Christ conceived the human soul to be of such transcendent value that he gladly exchanged the shining courts of glory for a life of poverty, suffering, shame, and death. Rather than that, it should perish. He placed the world and all it could offer on one scale and a human soul on the other. And declared that the scale went down on the side of the soul again God looked at everything in heaven he looked at everything going on he looked at all of eternity and he stepped out of it into the form of man because you are worth something your soul your emotions your feelings what you're going through they mean something to God you matter God is with you meet that worth with generosity here's why because as I give if I'm worth something God will take care of me My son doesn't need to worry about whether I'm going to provide for him because he's worth something to me. And I will go out of my way to protect him and provide for him because that's my boy, right? So is the same with you. Um, And I'm not even a quarter of the father that God is to you guys. And God will show up through our hurts and through our pains and through our doubts and our struggles. He will show up because you are significant, because you are worthwhile. And as you give, God will show you your worth. And lastly ready generosity draws me closer to the kingdom of god some of us have a hard time putting god first because we're not generous but as we're generous to the kingdom our mind begins to think on the things of the kingdom and as we begin to think on the things of the kingdom begin more kingdom minded which means we hear god more we see god more so we give more and our heart goes along with that and it's again it's a positive cycle where as i give more than i'm comfortable with to a certain place i start to pray for it i start to look for it i start to cry out for it i start to invest my life in it ready and jesus says in luke chapter 12 verses 30 to 34 he says For all the nations of the world seek after these things, and your father knows that you need them. Instead, seek first his kingdom, and all of these things will be added to you. Fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Because you're worth it Um, sell your possessions and give to the needy provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old with treasure in the heavens that do not fail where no thief approaches and no moth destroys ready it's the most popular verse quoted all the time it says this for wherever your treasure is there will your heart be also do you have a hard time focusing on god maybe if you give more to god and your treasure goes more to the house of god maybe you'll pray more maybe if you invest in a bible that cost a few like that cost 50 60 bucks because you actually want a nice bible that you're going to take care of maybe your heart would follow reading more maybe if you want to learn theology maybe you need to shell out for some of these bigger more expensive books because it'll actually be worth something for you um, if you notice with me um, whenever i'm sitting in um, it, whenever I'm taking notes, which has been a while since I've taken notes because I preach so much. Um, but whenever I'm taking notes, some of you might not have noticed, I always have a really nice notebook. I always go out of my way to buy really expensive notebooks. The reason is, is because I had a mentor. His name was Eric Burr. He's a pastor of the Church LV. And he, when I first wanted to start really taking God serious, he said, let me go buy you a notebook. And he bought me like a $60 notebook. It was insane. right? And he said, this is how much it's worth. And because it's a nice notebook that you'll take care of, and it was worth something, your heart will be more attentive to the things you write in it. And that lesson has stuck with me for years and years and years. It is one of the founding lessons in my Christian faith. And it is, he simply just taught that lesson. Where your treasure is, your heart will be also. And because you spent money on this nice notebook, your heart's gonna be more geared towards what's in the notebook. Uh, There have been times where I bought a notebook when I didn't have the money to pay rent because what was going in the notebook to me was more important than my rent. Um, Jim Elliott says this, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. As I give to the house of God, my heart goes to the house of God. As my heart goes to the house of God, I see God move in the house more he breaks my heart for what breaks his. And I become a remade in his image. And it all boils back to giving. Because when I give, I see my worth. When, I'm gi- when I give, I no longer have a fear of the future. Over time. <laughs> right. And when I give, my mind follows the kingdom of God. And these are things I think we all want to be free of anxiety. We all want to feel worth something. And we all know deep down we want to put God first. But we have a hard time. Why? Give. Give more than you're comfortable. Trust me. You'll see God move in ways that seem really charismatic. In this kind of message, people always roll their eyes, oh, this church just wants my money, right? The reason why you think that is because you're not really a giver, and the reason why you're not you're not really a giver is because of all these fears and these anxieties and these worth issues. I want to put you in a position where you will see God move in ways you didn't think were possible. I love you, church. I pray your day is blessed. I pray you get into small groups and talk about how good God is. I pray you give to the church, blvd.church forward slash give. Or just go to blvd.church. You can text give to our church's number. And while you're at it, you can also text help me or prayer uh, to the number, which will appear right here in Jesus' name. I love you guys, and take care.